0: Hello, this is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to the Front Desk series of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. I've always said that people are the true disruption in healthcare, and the front desk people are a huge part of this. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Jerry Durham, and welcome to the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. This is the Front Desk series number three, and I want to thank you all for joining me and i could tell you, I'm really excited when I see um, listenership, downloadership, whatever you want to call it, going up and up and uh, getting more clicks on these podcasts. And it's not because I'm trying to t- sell you something. It's because I believe the solutions are in the podcast. So I thank you greatly for coming back and for being a believer that, yes, it is about the patient experience. Yes, it is about understanding your patient's life cycle. Yes, it is about creating their patient experience. That will what that will get people better, that will make them happier, and will in turn result in a better bottom line for your business. Now we could keep going on and on from there. It's also going to help healthcare. It's also going to uh, help the profession. So there's all kinds of great things. I call it the five time ROI too. Yet you know, I am someone who likes to pay my bills. I am someone who likes to pay my employees. So, you know, I like to look at the fact that yes, I can do something awesome for people that will also do those things for me. So again, I appreciate you returning and listening to the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. And again, this is the front desk series number three. So let's review here briefly. We've had uh, two before this. Number one, I called the mindset of uh, the front desk series. Number two, I called the foundation of the front desk series. And this one I'm calling build, right? So we got the mindset and then we built a foundation. Now we're gonna build up from there. And again, you should be able to, at the end of these, you should be able to write some things down, reflect back, and have things you can bring back into your practice tomorrow. And by your practice, I don't care if it's a 100 clinics, I don't care if it's just you. I don't care if it's a hospital setting. I don't care what the setting is. You can take something back to your practice from these podcasts. You know, and again, I started this originally because I believe the true change was in the people and I believe it more than I ever have three years later. I think this podcast is about three years old. I believe it now more than I ever have because I'm seeing this change happen. And uh, if you go back and listen I periodically, we'll pull up some of my old ones. If you go back and listen to some of the things I believed were coming forward, and more of this advent of the healthcare consumer, more of this person that we thought, you know, all they cared about was cost, right? And what they cared about was knowing what they would receive for the money they would pay. That's different than being concerned about costs. All those things that I believed would be coming forward have happened, right? And we can look about why. What I saw coming forward was, was a health insurance industry that was going to put more of the burden on the person, right? So again, I don't claim to be a prophet. I claim to just be someone standing back and looking at where the different parts of healthcare were headed. And with the advent of higher deductibles, higher co-pays, higher coinsurances, we ended up with a healthcare consumer, shall we say? People hate that phrase. I love it. Um, we're going to go into that later, actually, probably in a later episode. Healthcare consumer versus healthcare user. And I might go away from consumer and go to user. And uh, we can talk about that another day. But for right now, this advent of the healthcare consumer is what he really what I foresaw because they were forced into it. And I learned this when I was answering the phone in my practice. And forced into it, meaning all of a sudden, they were reaching deeper into their pocket. And all of a sudden, as anyone will do in their life, when you have to reach deeper in your pocket for another dollar, another dollar, another dollar. And by the way, that could be on your premiums that are coming out of a paycheck. That could be in a check you're writing to cover your monthly um insurance premium. That could be for deductibles, co-pays, co-insurances. You're paying another dollar out of your pocket. Magically, what happens? Someone goes, Hmm, what am I getting for this dollar? And we finally passed the tipping point of what people were willing to pay and not really ask too much about what they were getting for that dollar. And we've passed that tipping point of what am I getting for this dollar? And fortunately, or unfortunately, you know, I've, I just, I saw this trend coming. I saw it in my own practice. I heard it in the ways when I answered all the new patient incoming calls in my practice. I heard people asking more and more questions and rightfully so. It's the questions I should have been asking before. And I put it back on them um, because it is your health insurance. It is your health. It is your healthcare. So ultimately that is back on you. And that's why in my practice and when I work with other people, It's like get every, know that when you hung up the phone with a potential patient that you shared everything you possibly could, that they are hanging up more knowledgeable about the system, the prices, the value, the care, the delivery of care, all those things and let them make a choice. Now, I'm not going to go down a path of all the factors that go into this because someone's going to call and say everybody doesn't have choices and I'm going to say, yes, they do. We don't all have the same choices yet. We all have choices. And so when that phone call ends, right, it is up to you and your responsibilities to make sure they have all the information. And if you can't help them, to send them down the path where they can't get help. Okay, and we're not gonna go into that too deep, but anybody who's listened to my podcast in the past about the role of the front desk and that initial contact that I bust out of the um, customer lifecycle, right? you'll hear more about how we can help those people that choose not to see us hanging up on someone because you don't take their insurance or because you don't have the services they want without giving them the next step is unconscionable. This is healthcare. You're not selling a product that they didn't, you know, that they couldn't afford. It's healthcare. It's their health. We owe them that next step. So that's how we got here. That's where we are. And again, number one was about mindset number two is about foundation. And today, number three of the front desk series of the healthcare disruption podcast will be about building, right? And let's, uh, wrote down some notes from one and two, you know, really this is the takeaway from one and two as I listened to them both understand in this order, in this order, write it down in this order, understand your patient's life cycle within your practice, first and foremost. That's every touch point in interaction, your potential patient, and then patient, patient as with your practice. Number two, map out the patient experience that you want to create. So really map out versus write out. And that writing out of that patient experience is what kind of emotions do I want this person to experience when they, when they, first pick up the phone, right? And if you think about it, just call your doctor's office and think about the emotions you're experiencing during that time. Most of them are negative, right? So write down the positive emotions you want them to experience, right? You want them to feel listened to, you want them to feel cared, you want them to feel that the phone call was about them, write all that down for every step. What do you 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 want to achieve at every step? And then what you can do after all that has happened is you can start to put the systems in place within the patient life cycle to create the patient experience that you want. One of my favorite lines is whether you create it or you, oh, let me go back. You have a hundred percent control over your patient's experience. You can create the story that you want them to repeat. You can set up systems to create the emotions you you need and want to create. That's the awesome part here. And I'll go back. If you haven't done this in your practice, it's occurring anyway. Think about that for a second. Your patient is having an experience with your practice. So if you don't know what that is, or you're assuming and you haven't set it up and you don't measure the effects of it, then their experience is what it is. And it's inconsistent. I can guarantee you that. And I'll guarantee you this, it's not what you think it is. So take control of it. That's the point of that. Not to make you feel bad for not doing it. It's to let you know you can take control of that and create that experience. That's the beauty of this, right? The interaction and touch points, you know, it's funny where we steer people. That's almost like you have a little less control. How can people find you? Five, six different ways, right? So that you just have to map out. Then, then. You get to the good stuff, the stuff you can create, the stuff you can manage, and the stuff you can manipulate, and I don't mean that in a negative term because if you look that term up, that's not a negative term. Manipulate means form and move them down a path that you want, a path to increase trust, a path to decrease fear, a path of decreased doubt, and a path of decreased uncertainty. That's the experience you want to create. All right, so we have that. Patient life cycle, rather patient experience. Now, what I want to do is think about these four phases of the life cycle, which is that first part, the patient life cycle that you need to create. And I talked about that in both of the um, series, uh, or one in part two. And I mentioned there were four of them, and I said all you had to worry about was phase two, because that's the one that really encompasses the front desk. So let's take a little step back from that and understand why we want to understand these phases, right? And I will go a little deeper into each of them today to set the stage for the next podcast where we'll dig into number two. So we're going to start to build up towards that, okay? The reason you want to, I think what happens is we map out our customer life cycle and we see this big circle and we see eight, 10, 20, 30 touch points and it's like, holy crap, and we're overwhelmed. So what I did was I broke it out into four phases because regardless of how many touch points and interactions you have, they're all going to fall within these four phases. All right. Phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. And I did this to help me better understand. So I mapped out my cust- uh, patient life. Here we go again. Customer patient client. We'll say the agent. Mapped out my patient life cycle. And I saw this big circle. Right next to it, so I flip chart paper all over the walls in my office. Right next to it on a piece of flip chart paper, I then just wrote down a long line. And there was a beginning and an end. It said phase one. And I did that for all four. And what that helped me do was understand, okay, I have all these touch points. So what I did was I, the start and the end of those phases were the major touch points. And here's what I used as the guide for this of, well, Jerry, where do you break up those phases? You know where I break those phases up? where new relate where relationships are transferred from one person in your office to another person. So let me give you an example. Phase 1 of the customer life cycle patient life cycle is the attraction phase that's your marketing phase. Okay? So who owns that relationship? Well, the brand of the business owns that relationship. Your marketing person owns that relationship, right? Everything that happens comes through comes through the website, comes through Google search, comes through AdWords, comes through community events, comes through brochures, right? So the ownership of that is the message in the brand. And you're trying to get people to start to want to commit, want to look into building a relationship with your brand, your practice, right? That's phase one. Phase one can go on forever, right? Someone opts in. Yeah, so these are the ways you have to track it. Someone opts in and gets a free ebook off your website, right? So now they've made, they've made it. They've entered themselves into your brand and your system, right? But it's only the attraction phase. They're getting emails. They're having touches with your brand, but they haven't committed to call and say, I want to schedule. So that attraction phase can go on for years, to be honest. It can go on for seconds and years. Right. And so you have to understand that. And that's why you constantly are doing things to build your brand awareness. And that's why you're making sure everything's always connected. And that's why you're making sure that people always know what's going on and things are updated. Okay. We're not going to get deep into that. That's for the digital marketing people and all the marketing people. Phase two, the magical phase two where your front desk comes into play is when someone finally decides to engage you. Right and start to test the waters and say I'm interested or I want to schedule or I want to learn more about you. So I call that initial contact. Phase two starts at initial contact and runs all the way through until they arrive in your clinic, right? And when phase two starts, when they initially contact you, they may not want to be scheduled, but phase two has started. Is why? Because now ownership has been transferred. This is is huge. If nothing else here's your takeaway for number three you got to understand where relationships are transferred and who owns this potential patient, potential customer, potential client. And I'd say owns them, but really what they own is the relationship. Okay. And this is where everybody drops the ball. And by everybody, I mean ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of the clinics drop the ball. Initial contact. Now they've talked to someone, they have made a connection with someone via email. They've done something where now the relationship is with a person all right that person is going to own that relationship and see it through all the way until they arrive in the clinic this phase is usually not as long as attraction phase but there's still mind you there is still some attraction carrying over here because you're still trying to build attraction still trying to build a brand you're still trying to build trust you're still trying to decrease fear doubt and uncertainty Yet, what has occurred is a new relationship is established and it's actually with a person. Okay. Initial contact, the customer arrival, phase two. Phase three starts there. Um, so, phase two ends at customer arrival in your clinic. The potential patient, I'd say they're still potential even though they've arrived. They've arrived, they've done all their interactions with the front desk, now they're sitting and waiting to meet their provider. When the provider comes up and greets them, that is the start of phase three. And we call that provider evaluation till the end of the course of care. So that is their course of care, right? And who owns that phase and why do we bust it up there? Because the relationship just transferred to the provider. Now, as you'll notice, and many of you are thinking, but yeah, we've got different people. We have aides, we have assistants, we have providers, different providers. I'm like, I get it. I get it. You have to decide in that model who owns the relationship. In other models that are one-on-one, that's pretty simple, right? And this is not a model discussion. This is how do I manage my model discussion. In a one-on-one setting, if Dr. Jerry Durham walks out. He owns this relationship until the course of care is complete. This is really, really, really important. I love what Ray is doing over at the uh, prevent, physical, uh, prevent drops off, prevent drop offs in your practice. Once you understand who owns the relationship at this point, it's going to help you better to build out your systems to prevent drop offs, to do follow ups. I've never understood why we as practice owners will tell the physical therapist it's your patient, it's your responsibility. You're in charge of the no-show cancel of this patient. And then we, the practice owner, go tell our friend desk to, to follow up with everybody that's no-showed. And I'm like, they don't own the relationship right now. That's for the provider to do. Well, they're busy, they're this, they're that. I'm like, well, they'd be less busy if they actually avowed someone and saw them through their plan of care and had. Less no-show cancels because they'd be following up with the same people and they'd have less no show and cancels to follow up with in the first place. Right. I love that phrase. Everybody's busy, by the way. Most of most people, especially in healthcare, are busy doing things that are non-productive. And by non-productive, I mean don't serve the patient. Get your old definition of productivity out of there. Non-productive means doesn't serve the person or patient that you're responsible for. Right, I love doing this with uh, people when I go into, I help them map out their patient life cycle. The first thing I have them do is write down all the tasks the front desk is responsible for after I've done a conversation with the front desk. And the owner and the front desk, everybody will tell me how busy the front desk is. And when you look at all the tasks, there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of redundancy. There's a lot of lost efficiency in there. And I always love to go back going, why is this done? You know, stuff like information collected on first phone call. Everybody goes, well, I don't want to LinkedIn our first phone call. I'm like, I did a secret caller. And um, here are five things you don't need to ask for on the first call. So if we took those five things out, you now have more time back. Yes, I'm going to insert a couple things in there. But don't think we're just adding on to the phone call. Don't think we're adding on to tasks. Mapping out this customer lifecycle by understanding the phases, you're actually going to make the whole system more efficiently, more efficient. All right. So back to phase three, evaluation to the completed course of care. Once there? You guys call it discharge. Why we discharge a happy paying customer, I'll never understand. So I never use that word. I call it a completed course of care. Then start phase four. Again, the relationship has shifted, and that's post-course of care to re-engagement. So all the stuff you do, what do they do? Do they get a weekly email? You know, all the stuff that occurs after they leave your clinic. How do you stay front of mind? How do you continue to deliver value to them without just sending an email saying, you know, hey, how are you feeling? We'd love to see you again. Or, hey, you know, we got a discounted rate for you. Those have to be far and few between. You have to send people information that serves them. Give them some value. Give them some value so they'll think of you and you don't have to always send them an offer and they'll just come in and pay for the services because they respect that and value what you do. Right? Phase one, attraction, right? Brand awareness. Phase two is initial contact to arrival in the clinic. Phase three is provider evaluation through the completed course of care. And phase four is completed course of care through re-engagement. All right? That's it. That's how you break down your customer or patient life cycle. So we could stop this here and you've got huge value. If you do that, you'll be farther ahead on Tuesday because you'll do it on Monday. Actually, this scrolled out on Thursday. So if you do it now, all right, let's say you do it over the weekend. Again, you'll be ready by Monday to start making some changes. Okay. You know, and when we talk about these phases, And we talk about the steps because again, those phases encapsulate the steps. So let's go back to phase two again. So initial contact to customer arrival, there's a boatload of interactions and touch points you're currently having with your potential patient at this point. Welcome emails, welcome videos, paperwork, all this stuff are the interactions that you then write down that occur in this phase. what I love is actually taking sticky notes and writing those because you may want to move them around or you may want to make more notes on those, right? And so, again, it's just a better way to understand what needs to occur in this phase so I can leverage it before the relationship is transferred. Okay, transfer of relationship. What do I need in this phase to, again, build more trust? Build more trust. Build more trust. Right? And especially clinics with... um, aids and assistance or maybe the patients don't see the same provider, mapping out that phase three and doing this with phase three, I can, I can make you more money in one fucking phone call and telling you how to transfer a relationship during that phase than anywhere else. The front desk and that right there clinics with multiple providers seeing the patient during their course of care have a bigger drop off rate than one on one clinics. And all you gotta do is introduce this relationship earlier and manage this expectation earlier. And by putting phase three up there and realizing all the touch points and interactions your patient has, you should step back and go, whoa, we need to do something here to connect these dots. Connecting these dots between all the phases and what occurs in this phase is my new favorite term, your business as an ecosystem because what you do during those phases, during those touch points, affect the next point. And the next one, and the next one. And that's my story that I shared in uh, number two about fixing our billing problem by going to the front desk and changing the incoming phone call script. So what you're doing during these phases and these touch points affect further downstream, further downstream. So when you're looking Let me jump ahead when you're looking for a solution to a problem like a no show cancel rate or a billing problem, start further upstream, get in front of those phases or your life cycle and take a big step back and go, where is this problem occurring? It's occurring right here. It's a billing issue. It's when they get their statement. Hmm. Okay. Where can I solve that problem? And once you've mapped out your patient life cycle, once you put the phases together, then you can find your solution, your true solution, far earlier. I shared this a lot, number two, so we're not going to go too deep. This is your business as an ecosystem because I'm going to start building back up. Okay? You must think of it as an ecosystem. That conversation that was just had on the first phone call when that person hung up is going to affect everything further downstream, positive or negative. And that's why back to the beginning, if you haven't mapped out the experience that you want, then you're gonna get the experience they're having. And I'm gonna tell you, after all my secret callers and calling so many clinics, the good news is no one experience is completely bad. They're just all middle of the road. They're just all the same. And I tell people it's almost the worst to be same. At least they remember the bad experiences. For some ways, some people are even drawn back to those, but everybody that falls in the middle is the same. Yeah, I felt just like calling my doctor's office, just felt like calling my dentist's office. Yeah, healthcare providers, they're all the same. That's where you wanna fall. And by the way, that same level is so fucking low, the bar is so low on that, right, you trip over it. You wouldn't run into it, you'd trip over it. So it's not hard to exceed if you map this all out and look at your business as the ecosystem because if you want happy better patients which in turn lead to business success which in turn leads to personal success then you must map this out understand your business as an ecosystem and look upstream this is how i became the front desk guy the call doctors i like to say it i'm going to fix your first phone call right because i found more solutions the bigger ROI could be done before your uh, patient even arrived in the clinic, right? So that's the build here, and I think that's a good place to stop because again, we went deeper, but now I've like got this foundation. You had the foundation, and now I'm going to say the the phases we just talked about. You understand that we're building the we're building the outline, right? We're putting up the walls of this structure that we want to build. So now we've framed it, right? There's no roof. We can still see through it. But now we have walls up on this foundation. And again, if you just go back and listen to these first three over and over and over again, you will be successful. And I had someone do that recently. I don't know if I've shared that in the past, but I'm still blown away. I had someone reach out to me recently and said they just took all my podcasts and implemented. And over two years, she, in her practice, shared her numbers. She was measuring, fortunately. And she shared the success just through these podcasts. So again, the goal for me here is to get you to understand and start doing. I'm happy to help you. One thing I'll promise you is speed because you can go do it and make mistakes over and over again and you will be successful. Took me 10 years to get here. What what I'll promise to you if you want to engage is I'll get you there sooner. All right. Yet you have it all. So go to it. So thank you for listening again. I wanna keep these short and sweet. I want you to be able to reflect on these. I want you to be able to take notes. I wanna keep building, building, building rather than throw everything at you in like one three hour podcast. So again, thanks for being part of wanting this change. Thanks for being part of putting your patience first. Thanks for understanding that everybody on your team is just as important as everybody else, right? I've said this in number one, it's not a front desk team, not a back office team, not a provider team. It's a team with individual players, all with different strengths. Offensive linemen, receivers, running backs, right? All that. But you all come together for greater success. That's how I want you to be thinking. So thanks again. Uh, Feel free to shoot me any questions, anything. You can always uh, email me at jerry at jerrydurhampt.com. I'm always happy to answer any questions and uh, head over to my website, jerrydurhampt.com and take a look around. And uh, I look forward to chat with you guys again in two weeks. Cheers all. Thank you for listening to this episode of the healthcare disruption podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to uh, see your thoughts and opinions on this and uh, if you really like what you heard then why don't you subscribe so you make sure and get the uh, latest notifications every time we post a new episode if you want to stay in touch with Jerry make sure and head on over to jerrydurhampt.com and click on the stay in contact button and I tend to hang out on Instagram at jerrydurhampt and Facebook at jerrydurhampt thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you again bye bye